The world of real estate investing is always changing. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, attorney and author Natalia Willett Grice has the expertise to provide valuable guidance on how to navigate the complexities of real estate investing. This is the Legacy Academy. Hello and welcome to the Legacy Academy. I'm your host, Justin Grice, the COO of LCO Law. And with me is my wife, attorney Natalia Willett Grice, the owner of LCO Law and the author of Florida Foreclosure Sales, How to Become and Stay Wealthy by Mastering Objections, Marketability, and Possession. Today we're going to be talking about what happens when the prior owner of your foreclosure auction purchase declares bankruptcy. Mm. Whether in good faith or to stall the foreclosure, we want to make sure that you know what you can do to protect your investment. All right. So, Natalia, can you explain the process of foreclosure auctions in Florida and how investors participate in these uh, auctions to acquire their properties? Sure. So, um, there, you know, foreclosures could be based on several kinds of liens. It could be a mortgage. It could be an HOA foreclosure. It could be a county lien foreclosure. But either way, right? So either one of these lien holders file a lawsuit. They have to serve all of the proper parties, including the title holder of record at the time of that filing. Um after you know everyone gets served, does their answers, etc., the court enters a judgment, and that judgment results in a sale. After um, that sale, a lot of things can happen, right? If you want to bid at the auction, you've got to register beforehand. Some are in person, most are online. Once you bid in a foreclosure in the state of Florida, there is a 10-day period in which parties can object. Uh, So you get a certificate of sale, and then there's a 10-day period, and then if nobody objects, you get your certificate of title. So that's like the normal foreclosure process. Okay, excellent, excellent. Now, what are some of the common scenarios where property owners file for bankruptcy after they're sold at foreclosure auction? So generally, um, borrowers or debtors in these foreclosure suits file for bankruptcy protection right before a foreclosure sale takes place. So it's kind of like a uh, last resort way of delaying a uh, foreclosure or taking it seriously. (laughs) Um, But generally it's, you know, sales upcoming and they'll either do it the day before. So this is why you've got to check your dockets as part of your due diligence if you're going to bid somewhere. Or the morning of, they'll also file for bankruptcy relief, which is tough because if they file the, mo- the morning of, you're not going to necessarily see that on the docket. Mm-hmm. The clerk's not going to see that on the docket. Um, and sometimes sales go through that are impaired by the automatic stay. Okay. All right. So can you elaborate a little bit on the types of bankruptcies that might, I mean, because there's different chapters, right? Um, that may be filed that will affect the foreclosure sale process. So, um, yeah. So, there's different options in the bankruptcy court. Now, I'm not a debtor's attorney in bankruptcy proceedings, so I'm not going to know much in depth about that. I represent creditors in bankruptcy and particularly third-party purchasers when there are these bankruptcy proceedings. Mm-hmm. So there's the most common ones for individuals are Chapter 13 or Chapter 7. Chapter 13 is like a plan of reorganization. That means like you make a regular amount of monthly income Maybe you got behind and you need a plan of reorganization so that you can pay these debts in three to five years, depending on what your income is. So it'll either throw you into three years or five years. There's also chapter seven, uh, liquidation bankruptcy proceedings, which is more like, hey, I've lost my job, et cetera. I just want to like 
surrender my assets and whatever that pays off, that pays off. And then I'm personally discharged from having any liability from any of my other debts. That's chapter seven, right? So either one of these types of bankruptcy filings can create what's called the automatic stay. And that's the biggest thing that as a bidder at these foreclosure auctions, you need to realize like really can impact um, what goes on, what goes down and whether your sale is valid or not, your purchase is valid or not. So um, the automatic stay is based on 11 U.S. Code 362 of the federal bankruptcy court. Okay. What does this mean? It means that if somebody files for bankruptcy relief, creditors can take no valid action afterwards in any other type of proceeding. It creates an automatic stay on everything. Okay. So does that stay start as soon as it's filed with the court? As soon as it's filed with the court, the automatic stay starts. Right, which is why these people wait until the very last minute to file these because they wanted to delay the sales process of these foreclosures as 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 quickly as possible, but for as long as possible. Sure. <laughs> um, so why is this important? How does a, a federal proceeding affect a state proceeding? Well, because federal law trumps state law. Uh, bankruptcy is federal relief. And once an automatic stays in place, it means that no creditor's actions are valid as to anything going on. So like if you are in a foreclosure proceeding, if you're the debtor, you file, now the, the, the creditor can't do anything, including that sale. Okay. So that's why it's, it's valid there. And these aren't just like, oh, a pause and oops, we accidentally held the sale and and it doesn't matter. It can just go through. No, these are considered void ab initio, which in Latin just means like void from the very beginning is as if the sale never took place. Legally, it didn't exist. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. So what are some of the potential challenges or delays that investors may face when a property owner files for bankruptcy during or even after the um, foreclosure au- uh, auction? So generally, uh, like timing is really key when it comes to these bankruptcy filings and how many of them have been filed is also key in seeing whether you're going to be dealing with a long process or or something that you don't actually have to worry about as an investor. So in the bankruptcy court, there's a presumption that if this is like your first bankruptcy filing within the last 12 months, it starts off with a presumption that it's done in good faith. So you get that automatic stay, period. Benefit right? of the doubt. Yes. If you have a second one filed within a 12-month period under you as a debtor, that automatic stay is only effective for 30 days. So the sale can be reset 30 days after that, and there's no issue it can go through. If the debtor has filed its third uh, bankruptcy relief request in the past 12-month period, so it's a rolling 12 months, that is automatically presumed to be in bad faith. There is no stay. Wow. So as... um you know, real estate investors out there, you really do need to examine the dockets because the dockets are going to show you how many bankruptcies these people have filed. Um, so important to know that there. Okay. Other things that you need to understand is that the state court cannot grant you relief from the automatic stay. Okay. You can't file something in state court and ask the state court to validate the sale. It's not going to be effective. Okay. You have to go into the federal bankruptcy court 
appear there and request relief there. And federal proceedings, especially bankruptcy proceedings, are a whole nother ball game. They are very, very complex. They are totally ruled by what's called local rules. And there's so much nuance that I would never recommend a real estate investor to try to do this themselves. Right, right. And not only that, but not all attorneys are admitted into the federal courts, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, so like if you're barred in the state of Florida, that doesn't mean that you are allowed to go practice in any of the federal courts in Florida. You have to be admitted. And there's a dual admittance thing. So you can be admitted into federal court in general to like maybe deal with like civil disputes. But you also need to be admitted into the bankruptcy court in federal court. Oh, wow. In order Specifically to pre- yes, the bankruptcy yes. court. Yes. Wow. Uh-huh. It's a okay. separate admittance. Okay. Excellent. Can you explain the impact of bankruptcy on any other liens, encumbrances, or judgments against the property and how it affects the investor's position in that? So, uh, like, uh, again, I don't practice debtor's representation in bankruptcy. But I can tell you that the focus of bankruptcy is to relieve the debtor of the personal liability relating to those monetary obligations, okay? Mm -hmm. It is not about clearing the title or encumbrances onto a specific piece of property. Right. So if there's HOA liens or or municipal liens or anything like that, they will stay. They will stay, right. The only thing that's discharged, if if it effectively goes through the entire entire process of bankruptcy, is the personal liability of the debtor for those indebtednesses. But like if they surrender the property and that mortgage is still there, that mortgage is still a lien on the property, right? Mm-hmm. As to anyone else who acquires it. If there's a, an HOA um, lien that's there, the only thing is that the HOA can't go personally after the debtor now. Th- those liens survive unless um, there's like a directive from the bankruptcy court that says like, and now you're, you uh, creditor of like, the credit card company have to record a discharge or release of the lien. Mm-hmm. But without those orders, those things are still valid. Which will be on the docket for the foreclosure as well, right? Um, No, it mm-hmm. would be on the docket for the bankruptcy court. So you'd have to examine the bankruptcy court docket, which you look at through PACER. Wow. Okay. Now, can you discuss any of the specific legal considerations that investors should be aware of when dealing with bankruptcy filings in the context of foreclosures? Well, I, I already discussed one, which is that state filings don't cure the effects of bankruptcy, yep. right? So you can't think that you can just file a motion in state court and that's going to take care of it. Nope. Uh, you should be aware that bankruptcy proceedings can take a, a substantial amount of time. Um, and here's why. Because bankruptcy courts normally are the ones that schedule the proceedings. So your your attorney has very little say on when yeah. that hearing You're gets scheduled. at the mercy of the federal <laughs> You're court. at the mercy of the federal bankruptcy judge and their docket. And cases in bankruptcy court get scheduled in these mass calendars. So it could be that like uh, your hearing scheduled for like two o'clock on the 20th, uh, but your case number 40 of the one set at two o'clock. So your attorney is going to sit there from two o'clock until they come up and it could be the last case. I mean, I've had it where <laughs> my case was the dead last case and it was four o'clock when it was heard, but I'm on, I'm on the clock, right? Um, so, you know, it can be very expensive. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more expensive to have to deal with bankruptcy proceedings. And sometimes because the judge just didn't have time to deal with it, it gets continued to the next calendar available hearing, which is a month down the road or two months down the road or three months down the road. 
So lots of time considerations. Lots of time considerations, yes. And the relief that you might be able to get is very like fact dependent. You have to have an attorney that really understands what like relief you can get from the bankruptcy court depending on what the debtor filed in the bankruptcy court so that you can make an argument that it was done in bad faith as opposed to the presumption of good faith if it's been a first time or second time filing. Sure. Now, are there any strategies that you know of or legal actions that investors can take to seek relief from the automatic stay and proceed with that foreclosure process, like their purchase specifically? Yes. So you're not like completely um, SOL when it comes to these things, right? Okay, good. And bankruptcy judges uh, most tend to have a healthy dose of skepticism, particularly under these circumstances, right? So like, that this person, is this the first time that this person has filed for bankruptcy, right? Um, have they filed for bankruptcy through an attorney or have they filed it pro se on their own, right? Did they file any of the schedules that are required to be filed with the bankruptcy petition or not, right? All the things that indicate good faith or bad faith sure. uh, filings, and those are really closely examined. Um the, you know, whether there's any equity left in the property is also kind of examined because that tells you, you know, did they, <laughs> like, do they have a recourse for, for example, selling the property to take care of the lien or would selling it not really take care of the lien issue through the bankruptcy court, right? Through giving the power of the trustee authority over that piece of real estate. So, you can uh, request relief depending on those factors with your attorney. And sometimes it's um, retroactive relief from the automatic stay. Sometimes it is saying, you know, there should be no stay in place because it was a bad faith filing. Um, sometimes it's getting it annulled, <laughs> like a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but only uh, an attorney that's dealt with this before that has both real estate experience and creditor experience in the bankruptcy court would be able to do this for you effectively. Okay. All right. So what are some of the key differences when dealing with bankruptcy in residential versus commercial foreclosures? So, um, you know, in for purposes of like commercial foreclosures, generally it's a business, right? That would be filing for bankruptcy. So they'd file maybe sometimes under chapter 11, like a reorganization plan. Um, it's fairly similar in terms of like the automatic stay being in place. You, there's no difference there, except if you, uh, if you are a commercial landlord and your commercial tenant is the one that filed for bankruptcy relief as a commercial landlord, you do get extra protections where the tenant is required to pay rent during the, um, bankruptcy proceedings. Really? Uh, until they either reject or assume the lease. So you have like an extra requirement where the trustee collects that rent for you and you actually are one of the few creditors that's actually getting paid through the bankruptcy proceedings. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I would say those are the main differences, but as to like showing good faith, bad faith, it's fairly similar. Okay, all right. So what kind of legal documentation or evidence is typically required for investors to demonstrate their, uh, demonstrate their standing or their rights in the bankruptcy court? So let's go over like what's standing. Standing means that you have like the the legal ability to sue because you're would be like you're injured in a way that the court can help you Mm -hmm. or the court actually can give you remedy because you have a sufficient relationship with what's going on in the dispute. Right. Sure. So 
you know, if you are a bidder at foreclosure, your certificate of sale is going to be proof that you've got standing to intervene in the bankruptcy as a quasi creditor is like your position, sure, right? Okay. Because a purchaser at foreclosure inherits the rights of the lender. Ah, so okay. that's how you become the quasi creditor in the proceedings. Sure. You, you take and derive your rights from the lender's rights. Um, and then, you know, like other documentation or evidence, I mean, like I would say, have a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Just get a lawyer. Just get a lawyer when it comes to that. Uh, it's, it's bankruptcy is not for the faint of heart. Right, right. Now, what impact does the bankruptcy process have on any outstanding debts or obligations associated with the foreclosure property that the investor inherits? So like I mentioned, uh, generally, they, they survive bankruptcy. And if you are a purchaser at foreclosure and your goal is to get the sale confirmed, the, you know, like, even if, um, no, let me rephrase this. So if your goal is to get the sale confirmed, generally, if there is a valid stay, you are arguing that that bankruptcy is not done in good faith, right? It's just like a delay tactic and for no other reason. So for these that are delay tactics, generally they get dismissed. They get dismissed because the bankruptcy debtor doesn't comply with anything and the court's just like, you know, get this case off my docket. So obviously bankruptcy didn't do anything to remove any of the liens. If the um, stay request, uh, you know, relief from the stay request gets denied, your sale was invalid. (laughs) You then have to go and take that judgment or that order to the state court to get it declared void so that you get your money back. Sure. What, so what kind of not, time frame are they looking at if, if their sale is undone? How long is their money tied up between oh, the order and when they can it get it It could be state? six months to a year, depending, wow. yeah, depending on how uh, busy that bankruptcy court is and how many times you've had to, you know, get a continue, like go to the continued hearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you see a bankruptcy filing, it just gets set for it. It's going to be a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strap in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. Got it. All right. Now, what role does a real estate attorney and a bankruptcy lawyer play in guiding investors through these complexities for uh, the foreclosure-related bankruptcy issues? So, one, you need them, right? Because this is like deep level of nerdy expertise uh, combined in both. Because bankruptcy... Uh, whether like a sale took place or didn't take place, the right of redemption, was it still around? Was it not around? The bankruptcy court relies on state validity to determine that. (laughs) So you need an attorney who understands the nuances of how these both interplay. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with both federal law, state law, bankruptcy law. Yeah, and like I mentioned, they're so local rule-based in terms of like the bankruptcy proceedings. So... Unlike state courts, which are a little bit more flexible with like how you file your pleading or your certificate of service and all that, in bankruptcy proceedings, you have to cite specifically to every rule that's at play with like the certificate of service with the this, with like negative notice and all sorts of other rules that you generally will have no idea about if you're not a practicing lawyer. Um, so these nuances can make or break your case as well as how you present something like an annulment or retroactive relief from the automatic stay. Um, And the local rules can also vary how your case is treated and how your case is presented. So making sure that you have an attorney that practices in that division 
uh, is key or that can very quickly learn that division because they practice in an adjacent division. Mm -hmm. State of Florida has three middle district courts. So, you know, it's a very big state. Most states just have one federal district court. Florida's three, right? So we've got the Northern District, the Middle District, which actually cuts all the way from like Jacksonville down to mid-Central Florida. And then you've got the Southern District, which is essentially like Miami and the adjacent counties. Miami behaves in its own way. The middle district behaves in its own way. And the northern district has its own little practices and all that too. So if you if you can, what I would recommend is like make sure that you've had these conversations in advance before you start bidding at foreclosure auctions to see if like the real estate attorney that you have also is admitted to those jurisdictions where you do most of your bidding. Okay. All right. So the last thing is like what are three precautions and that an investor should take when purchasing properties at foreclosure auction to mitigate any potential risk related to bankruptcy filings. So number one, check your dockets the day of the sale, the morning of the sale, okay? Because that that last minute check, it can make or break your wallet in terms of like how long you're waiting for property to be issued to you. Um, Number two, if you see that there's multiple debtors, I'm not talking about multiple defendants, multiple debtors, multiple people that signed on the promissory note, then there's a higher risk of multiple delayed bankruptcy filings, right? Because like if the husband filed for bankruptcy six months ago, but his wife has never filed for bankruptcy relief or the co-tenant has never, co-owner has never filed for bankruptcy relief, they can also file last minute relief and it would be fresh and good faith. Yes. Uh, And I've seen that happen. I would say number three, have an attorney on retainer who, like I said, is admitted to that federal district bankruptcy court where the property is located or where at least you do the majority of your bids. If if like you're a seasoned real estate investor, you you probably have somebody on call to do these things for you, but always check. Are they also admitted to bankruptcy court? Thank you so much for joining us. And if you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast application. And then tune in every Monday to get more tips on how to avoid investing's legal pitfalls and take your real estate business to the next level. You can also find us online at lcolawfl.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Legacy Academy FL.